on this week's episode of Good For You. Friends let friends be the ghoul they wish to see in the world. Hello and welcome to Good For You. Good for you, man. Good for you. Good for you. Good For You, a podcast about the things we go to, the purchases that haunt us, the best products, services, and industry happenings in the wellness, well-being, and spiritual space. We're going to give you a healthy little dose of fun. We're going to talk about the things that are happening in pop culture, the ones that got away, the things in our cart that are haunting us or ghosting us, our strong opinions that are loosely held. <laughs> we like to call this the Grex. The group text. The group text in your ear. So come say hello. Join us in the audio Grex, where friends don't let friends get, get scammed. I feel like we need to start with the vitamin C graduation song. So As we go on, <laughs> we remember. Put lighters up. Don't forget us. Ever. <laughs> Ghouls, besties, we hate to break it to you that this will be the final good for you for a while. We're going to give you a nice long Irish goodbye. This is a longer <laughs> episode. Yeah, it's sort of an extended hiatus that we're going on. We are sending good for you into retirement, sending off with, you know, all the love in our hearts. All the unexercised carts, the haunted carts that we will leave you with. And there will be more. There will be more of something. Just not on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have some good stuff for you today, but we just want to thank you for being wonderful, gorgeous, loyal listeners and for being the funnest ghouls that we could ask for. Yeah, we are going to try and not weep throughout the episode. So don't judge us for not being that funny. We're doing our best. We're trying to keep it together. 100%. 100%. But we have a great interview today with Emma from Thing Testing. And before we get into that super interesting interview, we want to put a capper on Good For You. It's been running for the last year and a half. We've learned a lot. We've taught you a lot. We've run into so many sexy unique scams. We have tried so many products. And now that we are sunsetting, good for you, it's kind of your responsibility. We are passing the torch to you to be ghouls in your community, to be the resource. Create your own Grext, if you will. Be the ghoul you wish to see in the world. That's right. That's right. So we have some advice for you as you ghoul in your own community. So I'm coming to you this morning with some advice and I, you can take it or leave it. But as a woman, you're going to want to be good at stuff and you're going to think it's going to benefit you, but it's not. Okay. So these are the six rules for the ghouls. Number one, remember, follow the money. Always follow the money when you are thinking about and looking at curious, interesting products and businesses. Who secured the bag? It matters. It goes all the way to the top. Who invested? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's behind it? Who are they married to? And what stake do they have in the game? Infiltrate the dealer. Find the supply. That's right. That's Secure right. the bag. <laughs> Infiltrate the dealers. Find the supply. We get to be brothers? Infiltrate the dealers. Find the supply. Do your research. You know, we don't have to tell you twice. Yeah. Be suspect. Do your research, but not in a QAnon way. You know, like do your research in a, you're looking at people <laughs> up on Crunchbase way. Not like, I don't know, you're going down the Dr. Merkel rabbit hole. Okay. Number two. Remember that Instagram and Instagram ads can be very misleading. Don't be fooled by the gram spam. 
That's right. It's very convincing. You might think, oh my God, everyone is buying these posture fixing bras. They must be amazing because I'm getting reviews and ads from them all the time. Not so. Look beyond the gram, my friends. Maybe even go to their website. You know, go on similar web. See how many people are hopping on their website. Is it a lot? Is it a little? I don't know. That's your job. Figure it out. Honestly, go to Thing Testing, check out, see if they have some reviews on there. Those will be way better than any reviews you'll find on their site. Amen. And Reddit. When in doubt, go to Reddit. Without much further ado, I give you the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. Third rule kind of goes hand in hand with that gram spam. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Like the laser hair removal <laughs> at home device. Yeah. Like that magic hair eraser. <laughs> Still too good to be thing. true. Remember that? That like it gave us like a rug burn. That was so painful to not work. That was weird. It was not fun. The chin hammock, however, that was gorgeous. <laughs> one of the best finds, I would say, that this podcast has given all of us. I'm sad I don't have one of those on right now. <laughs> Me too. That's how we should have ended. I'm, I'm thinking about how I have one in my fridge and I should go put it on. Jealous. Yeah. Living a life of luxury over here. Okay. Our fourth rule is that it's okay to be scammed by and still buy. Listen, we all fall for scams. And mm -hmm. sometimes we even like them. Chin hammock, case in point. Scams are, what do they say? A dime a dozen over here <laughs> in the US of A. So, hey, sometimes you must partake. It's okay. Don't have shame. And on that note, rule number five, don't underestimate the placebo effect. You know, your wellness house of cards could have a bunch of scam by boat still buys in it. Maybe CMOS makes you feel amazing. Maybe just handing over your credit card at Moon Juice gives you the serotonin boost <laughs> that you need to get through your day. It has nothing to do with adap adaptogens or, or mushrooms or, I don't know, functional beverages. It's all about placebo and that's okay. We condone giving yourself little treats. <laughs> that leaves us with the last rule, number six. Always be haunting. Always have something in your haunted cart that you're just never, ever going to exercise because you're being conscientious about your consumption and you don't want to overconsume. Stay spooky. Stay haunted. Exercise every once in a while. But not all the way. Yeah. You have to keep something like fun. You know, you got, there's always got to be something that you're pining after. And it shouldn't be a person. It should be a pair of pants. <laughs> you don't want a haunted house. No. You want maybe one room to be haunted. Yeah, no, it's like a fun little room that you dip into when you need like a little woo to get your blood pressure up. A little woo. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it spicy, you know? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> always be haunting. Stay spooky. Speaking of always be haunting, today is kind of a full circle, perfect retirement episode for us because Thing Testing was one of the first sites that we bonded over, let's say, revealed our mega consumer habits to each other about. Yep. I don't know if I'm making that up, but I feel like it's one of those sites when you're talking to a fellow ghoul, you're like, oh, Think Testing? Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Obviously. Absolutely. Have I written a review on Think Testing? Not yet. But do I like to read the reviews? Absolutely. Yes. Do I love to follow the latest drops and the newsletter? Absolutely. You were following when they were just an Instagram. Yep. I've been there from the beginning. I followed when the founder, yeah, would just 
take a picture on a white background of a product and then write her review of the product in the caption. And she was a VC. She was an investor. And then she decided to make thing testing a full-time thing. And I just thought, wow, that's so cool. And what a fun job. You just get to try products and write about them. (laughs) Amazing. Live your dream. So this is extremely full circle to be able to chat with the community and content curator, Emma. One of the things that we talked about after we stopped recording, which we both thought was super interesting, is Facebook groups. Um, excuse me, what the actual fuck? Never thought I was going to say that, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Facebook groups are back, baby, apparently. Or maybe they just never went out of style for this clientele. That's true. Maybe we're going to revert all the way back. Like we've reached peak social media and we're going to revert back to like top eight on MySpace. I would honestly welcome yeah. that. Like bring MySpace back. Yeah. Substack now has like notes and other things that you can get. And I'm just like, I hate it so much. No. Every time it pops up on my phone, I'm like, I don't understand this. It's just too much information. I already subscribed to your newsletter. I don't want to, I don't want to be on your feed or something. I don't want it. Oh yeah. Like the discussion groups. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's too much. But apparently people do like it because they're really popping up. How about new? So what did we talk about with Emma? Oh, gosh. We talked about chairs. We talked about how thing testing works. We talked about products that she thinks are overrated and overwrought. We talked about a bunch of sex unique scams. And did she say CBD drinks? She sure did. She dropped that in. So she's a ghoul. She's a ghoul through and through, just like us. Through and through. So without further ado, here's Emma. Hi, Emma. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we're so excited to chat with you. How long have you been at Think Testing? I've been at Think Testing since June 2021. So I'm coming up on two years on June 1st. Oh, amazing. And how big is the team right now? We are 12 people. So we've doubled since, since I joined. I remember following Think Testing when it was just an Instagram and um, it was you would post one thing at a time with the review. It was just the founder reviewing them. And then it was I remember just when Jenny. she, yeah, yeah, when she quit her job and was like, I think I'm going to take investment. And I was like, huh, that's so interesting to take venture, right? To build out yeah. this this platform. And I'm just curious for you, Emma. I know that the space has changed so much, and I I would love to like look under the hood a little bit about thing at thing testing. But from what I understand. CPG and the D2C market was booming when thing testing came came about, right? And that was kind of the thesis behind it. Let's try these items, these products that we can really only get direct to consumer because we can't go touch and feel them in person. And we can give a more of a, a consumer-friendly perspective on them. But now that things have been changing in D2C, maybe thing testing has changed too. What's the new thesis behind thing testing? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think when Jenny started, it was, you know, like you said, the big boom of direct-to-consumer and she was trying all these products and she was reviewing them from the investor perspective of, you know, would I I give this brand money? And then from a consumer perspective of like, do I think this is worth a consumer buying? And so you got those two different angles and she built that um, following up of industry people, um, you know, general consumers too were really tuning in. And since then, I think, you know, while she while she was doing this, she started receiving DMs from people being like, hey, can you write a review for XYZ brand? They never posted my review. And so the conversation really shifted when she realized that there was kind of a really big issue in the in the landscape and that brands were hiding reviews and consumers weren't able to get 
the full picture of a product before they purchased it. So there was really nowhere to go online to read those honest reviews. And that's kind of what Thick Testing's thesis is today, is really about being a third party, you know, number one destination that you can go online and you can read real reviews from real people and um, feel confident in your purchase decisions. Because, you know, like we know, there's so many different brands that you can buy and it's really overwhelming, both as someone in this space and also as just a consumer trying to find a product that you're going to, you know, looks great online and looks great when it arrives at your door. And so that's really what we we aim to help consumers with first and foremost. How do you guys decide which brands make it onto the platform and which don't? What's the criteria? So every brand is screened, but the main criteria is you have to be a brand selling a physical product with a checkout on site. So we don't allow apps onto the site. There's no, you know, service type of brands allowed onto the platform. I do all of our curation. So that means sort of doing the weekly brand spotted roundup and really finding like what are those new or interesting brands that have a really unique story to tell and surfacing those to our community. But yeah, the the main baseline criteria is being a physical product with an online shopping cart. How fun is that? Yeah, it seriously. Is, honestly, the like fr- Fridays are my brand spotting day. So sometimes it's it's like I spend an hour and sometimes I spend like six hours. I can imagine. Looking for brands because it's our community spots incredible brands. So anyone with a Think Testing account can submit brands to the platform. Oh, nice. So that's really fun. We have some of our like top spotters. There's this one woman, Chloe, who has now spotted over 200 brands that have landed in our directory. I always joke with her. I'm like, I have to split up your brands that you're spotting into across multiple weeks roundups because it's like the whole thing is spotted by Chloe. (laughs) Yeah, she could take my job over. It's really fun, honestly. Where do you look for brands when you're doing your research? Are you on like sort of trolling Crunchbase and TechCrunch looking for who's recently got a seed round? Where do you go? So I'm really into like homeware brands. And right now I'm super into like niche candle brands and soap brands, oddly. So I spend a lot of time on Instagram Mm. looking through who other brands that I admire, who they're following on Instagram, who people that I think have incredible taste, who they're following. So it's definitely like very much in the weeds of the internet. I admittedly don't spend that much time on Crunchbase. For me, I think there's obviously a lot of direct to consumer, like true, that sort of brand. But I'm very much interested in the like emerging small brands and how can we amplify what they're doing. Love that. How do you guys deal with a brand that gets a ton of bad reviews? I haven't seen a ton of brands on Think Testing following you guys for a long time that have consistently bad reviews. So I think that obviously speaks to how you guys are curating. But what would the process be if that's something you're noticing? Do you keep the brand on the platform? We don't curate the reviews that are on Think Testing. Um, There's no curation on our end. So uh, from a a consumer perspective of like, how do you get verified to become a reviewer is you have to have a unique phone number and a unique email address. And you also have to have a profile photo because we think that's what, you know, is the baseline for trust. Totally. And so if a brand does, you know, continuously receive bad reviews on their Think Testing page, and it, it has happened, 
on thing testing. We don't side with either side. So we're kind of like a forum where you can leave your review, um, but we're not going to take it down. Mm -hmm. It's like you can get into these like he said, she said situations of like the brand being like this happened and the consumer being like this happened. And we have community guidelines that we do, you know, take very seriously as far as like moderation goes in the form of, you know, you're not allowed to like go on there and, you know, swearing and bashing a brand. We never want it to be a a place where anyone feels like they're just being bullied on the internet. There's so much of that going on on other places and we, we don't need thing testing to be a place for that. But, you know, if people are just giving constructive criticism and that's what's happened, then we leave the reviews up. Yeah. Uh, how many members are part of the think testing community right now? I can give you, I mean, our, our newsletter has 55,000 plus subscribers at the moment and the reviewer community is growing every day. We did just pass 10 million. What, what? Reviews have now been read 10 million times on think testing. And it's really exciting, I think, to have, have been here since kind of we launched reviews. Yeah. 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 That's Very cool. cool. I know that you're on a personal level also interested in the homeware space. Your apartment was recently published in Architectural Digest and Clever, which was so cool. I'm kind of curious from your personal interest in that space, if there's anything you've noticed having shifted since the pandemic with supply chain issues and anything in terms of trends you're noticing with those businesses and homeware specifically? Yeah, I think since COVID, people are spending a lot more time at home. Mm -hmm. I work from home every day. A lot of people work from home. And so people care a lot more about what their home looks like, I think more so than ever before. I remember during COVID when everything shifted to online, I could not buy a desk. Like everyone in the world wanted a desk and I was working from my couch. It was like the most novel thing ever when you could finally purchase a desk and a desk chair. And so I think there's a lot of brands that are really trying to lean into that home space. And so there's continuously a lot of brands just launching in that category. So yeah, we've definitely seen our audience be very excited about that category. We've recently launched custom lists on thing testing. Oh, nice. So anyone can create a custom list and those are some of like our highest performing lists are the people that are curating sort of in that home category, especially sort of seeing people like there's a big milestone moment when you, you know, graduate school and you get your first apartment and there's a lot more options now, um, Mm. which again is why, you know, thing testing exists is to help you sort through those, those different options. But people I think have a lot more options and there's a lot more like accessible, affordable options now, which I think is really, really great. I mean, my whole apartment when I was in college was Ikea, which I still am a huge Ikea stand. But I think, yeah, there's just like so many more places that you can go to shop now. Yeah, that curation makes so much sense. A lot of what we talk about here is consumer behavior, not only our own, but I'm curious in general if there's any other spaces that you feel 
are ripe for disruption or innovation that you've noticed, there's a bit of a white space there where you're like, oh, I'm just waiting for this to come out so we can feature it on Think Testing. There's definitely a lot of categories that have maybe been overly disrupted, I think, at mm. this point. Yeah, like how much more kitchen, like colored kitchen stuff do we need? Like, yeah. I don't need another <laughs> pan that's hot pink. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think there's uh, the kitchen space is crazy. I'm honestly, even though I work in this space, like I'm looking at my kitchen right now, very little of my kitchen brands are direct to consumer. Like I have a ninja blender, like I I have a beast blender and I honestly don't reach for it. And not because there's anything wrong with it. It's just the ninja blender just is always on my counter, which is, I know the beast was made to like sit on your counter. (laughs) It's bulky. It's It's a bigger blender. And I don't, I'm like one person making a smoothie. Okay, so kitchen is kitchen. <laughs> we we've disrupted. Don't even think about it. If you're thinking of starting a kitchen thing, we're good. We're good. <laughs> if you're starting a kitchen thing and it's amazing, you might you might get me. I just got a Alessi tea kettle and an Alessi toaster. Okay, please tell me is the tea kettle worth it? Because I incredible. Want it. And I, okay, well, I, so I got the electric tea kettle, the one that yeah. like, but it's mm-hmm. that that like plissé. Yeah. One that's just like stunning on the counter. I got the toaster in gray and the tea kettle in white. And Mm. I've never been like an electric tea kettle person, but all my friends were making fun of me because I was like boiling water on the stove to make tea. And they were like, are you okay? So I did get one and it has changed my life. You know, I did just see a goggle brand and I'm not a swimmer, which we're going to get into because it is also my haunted cart. section is swimming materials there is this goggle brand that recently launched that i put in my brand spotted that basically has like screens in it that you can see your timing you can see like it tracks all these different metrics while you're swimming and i do think that like the summer fun category could be a place in which people could could start playing around in i think like i would love to see more like outdoor activities that are yes like we obviously have the rei stores of the world but those aren't really you know the aesthetic design spots an updated slip and slide if you will yes absolutely (laughs) we have seen a few you know we have like there's like fun boy is that brand Mm -hmm. that makes those crazy Mm -hmm. pool floats yeah Yeah. Um, but if you don't have a swimming pool like what what are you doing with that we need like more lawn games and stuff like that lawn games like there was a cool brand that launched, I think it was last summer, maybe the summer before, called like ITA Leisure. And they made these really chic lounge chairs, like kind of Ooh. just like the classic yes. um, beach chair. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and those that. were really great to see. But I think there could be some more design elements too. You know what? That's a really good point because we went to the park this weekend because it's I live in LA. It was really nice. I was like, dang, all my stuff to bring to the park is like kind of schlubby. You know, it's like a mishmash, weird yeah. combination of things. And I was like, I just want like a gorgeous, gorgeous set of things. Right. To like maybe like a new picnic basket. I don't yeah. like someone's got to bring it back. Yeah. Cute blanket, easy to unfold stools mm-hmm. and chairs that are not super heavy. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I'm not going to do it, but someone else should do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We all say from the sidelines, it's not that hard. Come on. Just launch the brand. (laughs) Yeah. Stop doing CBD beverages and like, let's do something to sit on while we drink it. (laughs) There you go. 
Speaking of chairs, though, you had mentioned that you are getting to chair design yourself. Can you yes. tell us more about this? Is this yes. a new venture? It is a new venture. Um, during COVID, I had a Instagram collection on this was like when Instagram collections like saved collections had just launched on Instagram, I think, or recently had launched. And I started one called like sitting at home. And it was just chairs that I wanted to sit on while I was quite literally sitting at home. And it grew into this like massive collection. And Instagram basically was like, you have too many things in this collection. Um, and I, I was like, there was oh, a limit. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe I should do something with this. And so I made this Instagram account. It's at sitting dot at home. And I started just posting chairs, like curated chairs on, you know, blank backgrounds that I had found online. And it was really cool for me because it was a it was a place to like learn about things too. So like I, I needed to do the research in order to post about them. Like I didn't just want to be like, love this. I wanted to say like <laughs> yeah. who the designer was, mm -hmm. what the chair was called, mm -hmm. when it was made. And so I just started doing that. And I then I think part of it is because I do work with a lot of brands and I, you know, there's there's a lot of founders who know so much about the space that they're they're in and it's really inspiring. And I was like, okay, I'm like cosplaying as this like chair curator, but let's see what you can do, Emma. Like let's build a chair. And so I made it my goal for 2023 to build one chair. And I'm looking over my chair is complete now. It is sit inable. You can sit on it and it's <laughs> yeah. So I I worked with a a local wood shop and I built it from start to finish, like with my own hands. Oh my I'm gosh. not an artist. I always say I'm not an artist, but I guess now I kind of am. But you know, like I was on a plane ride home from New York and I think it was January or something. And I was like, all right, before I get off this flight, I have to have the sketch done. Cause like I could see it in my head, but I couldn't get it onto paper. And I was like, what else do you do on a plane? So there's like this new app on the phone called form or something. And I just like hand drew it out. And I was like, this is the chair. Like, this is what it's going to be. It's plywood. It's double thick plywood. The sides are like rectangles, rounded edges. The seat is the same. And then the back of it is flower shape, which again, as someone who's not an artist, I picked a very tricky thing to try to make, but it came out great and very happy with it. And hopefully we'll be building some more chairs. It's so cute. Soon. I'm looking at it right now. My husband, Emma, is a big chair guy. He's always been a big chair oh. guy. And when I met him, I was like, that's weird. Uh, but now I have a deep appreciation for all types of chairs. He He's always pointing out like, that's a famous chair. That's a famous chair. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea. I just thought these were at my dentist's office. But here you go. They're actually famous. Incredible. <laughs> so, okay. We've talked a little bit about maybe the spaces that are a bit bloated. But we do something here at Good For You called Sexy Unique Scam. Do you have a Sexy Unique Scam up your sleeve, Emma? Yes. I do. <laughs> I love the pause. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I kind of have a couple. <laughs> yes. We love to hear it. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. That doesn't make sense. So I think the main one for me is honestly about around kind of like adaptogens and functional mushrooms and that whole category. I think it's just and I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't work. Like, I'm just saying it's really confusing for consumers. 100%. And there's a lot of jargon. There's a lot of jargon. 
especially in the functional mushroom space, like there's a lot of conversation around the confusion between like psychedelics and functional mushrooms. And I remember I started taking reishi because my dermatologist actually told me it was good for your skin Mm, and it's cleared up my skin quite a bit. Mm. So, you know, side note there, but (sighs) when I was telling my mom, I was like, yeah, I'm going to start taking mushrooms for my skin. And she was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> like you're going to take magic mushrooms for your skin? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 not that. I'm going to take functional mushrooms. They're from the earth. I mean, I guess so are psychedelics. But <laughs> anyways, different conversation. Yeah. There's just like, there's a lot of brands launching in this space. And I think it's great. I think brands having conversations around mental health and alternative forms of medicine is awesome. But for the consumer, it's just confusing. And there's not enough education about it. And it's a difficult space to navigate, I think, as far as like, this is mood boosting. This is focus improvement. And where do you fall? And also, how do you know if it's working is a really big question. And I think it's the same with like supplement brands too. And that's something that um, even on thing testing, like it's hard to find people or to get reviews on those products and it's so different for everyone and unless you're kind of doing like you know blood work before you start taking something like that and then checking in on it there's really no way to know I think if it's working um and I've and I've had that experience myself and so that would be my my first one and I think you know I've I've been scammed by it I've fallen for it like you like you said in the the question there and so one of the ones that I definitely fell for is like ritual, which oh my I gosh, actually think <laughs> I fell for it. And honestly, I'm not mad about it. Like that is one that I'm not mad I fell for. They're so pretty. The pills are so pretty. Yeah, the pills are beautiful. They also have this like little plastic or like rubber bar in it that's like mm-hmm. mint scented. And so they uh, taste yeah. like minty, which wow, I have smart. a really like I have a hard time with supplements that yeah. taste gross. Also like powder, like I can't do drink powders the taste is just doesn't, I'd rather just eat yeah. a bowl of lettuce. <laughs> Definitely. And so with ritual though, like I started doing, I think for me, the, the problem was, is honestly, I'm not very consistent with most things that I do. So it was like, suddenly I had like two unopened bottles of this thing. Yes. And I was like, all right, I got to can- cancel the subscription. However, if I were to again, commit to a daily multivitamin, I think I'd go back to it. I mean, the like immediate effect of not wanting to throw up after you take them, that matters. <laughs> it does. So that would, yeah, that one I feel like got scammed, but it's also available at Target now I saw yesterday, which could be maybe a good option for me as well. So I'm not, you know, hoarding subscriptions. <laughs> They're not just yeah. taunting you on your shelf. On that note, subscription product. <laughs> Yes. I feel like my new question is, are there any subscriptions that you really stand by that you have right now in beauty products specifically? I'm not on any subscriptions. And the reason I'm actually not is I think I'm someone that it takes me a while to get through products. Like I am not like I, and, I, and I use the, like I use the same face wash every single day, but it could take me like months to get through it. And so I think these subscription products is like you you have to be real with yourself of like, am I going to get through this in the time that they're allotting me to use it? 
And maybe if like you're sharing it with someone else that you live with, like it makes sense to be on the subscription. But I just find that I use products a lot slower than these subscriptions are made for. And so then, I mean, even the ritual that you're supposed to be taking every day, I ended up with like two leftover bottles. So I think they're just made for certain people. And it's obviously the convenience of it is great. Yeah. But being real about just like, am I actually going to use this product? Because like as it is, there's just... I have so many products in my house and I don't need more things that are like things that I like to use, but I don't need to like stock up on them. Yeah. That's my sneaking suspicion about a lot of these subscriptions that that model's not working unless people forget it. And, you know, they get a few months out of you where you're like, whoops, didn't cancel that, yeah. which is so sad. On the consumer side, it just makes me angry when I get something like, for example, I used to get mud water and I would get a new tin in the mail and be like, fuck, <laughs> didn't use the last one. And I would get so mad because I'd forget to cancel. And then I just, now I'm like so turned off from the whole brand because I have like so much shame around, I don't know, hoarding four canisters of mud water in my pantry. Like I enjoy the product, but I have this negative connotation with it because I'm like, ugh, I have so much of it. It's weird. Yeah. So we just did a thing drop, which I don't know if you're familiar with the program, but I can explain it a bit. But we just did a partnership with Jolie, yeah. the showerhead brand. And ThingDrop is a product testing program that we have. We partner with new brands or brands that are launching a new product or like their hero SKU to offer it at up to 70% off to our community in exchange for a review. And so Jolie did a partnership with us, which was awesome. The showerhead sells for $165 retail. They did it for $20 and they donated all of the profit to a charity. So that was really cool. But someone on Think Testing had written, we have like a long form review program kind of, which is through like our editorial platform. And someone wrote in their long form review for Jolie kind of about the subscription model and saying, you know, how do you know if you've used the filter, you know, up and the filters come on, I think it's maybe a monthly or bi-monthly basis. And he just talked about, you know, like, I'm the only person using the shower head. So like, how does it work if you're a family of four or a family of six? To the same point around subscriptions is like, it's really hard to know if you are ready for like the next thing. And I think for brands, it's obviously how they get you hooked and it's a great model for brands. But on the consumer side, it's definitely something to be like weary of and and think about. I always think about that with Glossier because um, I think that that was part of their like selling point is that they make products that, we need to refresh often, right? And meanwhile, I have like their, what is it? Their cloud blush. I've had like the same three blushes from them for like five years because there's so much cloud paint like in that thing. How could I possibly get through it? Like I, I'm not, I'm never, I will never need to re-up on it. And I think about that all the time of like, wow, I think brands often overestimate how much we're using of their product and how often we're going to need to rebuy it. And especially direct-to-consumer brands. More sexy unique scams? Yeah, I think I think the one in general, honestly, is really just about like brands and the reviews on their platforms. And I think mm-hmm. in general, I, the statistic is like 89% of people read reviews online before they make a purchase. Mm-hmm. And on brand websites, reviews can be hidden. Reviews can be cherry picked. They can be paid for. And so as a consumer, you're just you're not getting that that full view. And so it's really hard to make a decision about what you're going to buy. And the the example I always give to people is like, 
if you're going out to dinner and you're making a reservation, you're never going to read restaurant reviews on a restaurant's website, right? Like that just wouldn't happen. You'd go on Yelp or you'd Google reviews of X restaurant and you'd find like a blog post about it maybe, or you'd go on like infatuation probably. When it comes to brands though, we read reviews all day, all night on brands' websites. And the same thing can happen there as the curation of reviews. And so really just like urging people to read reviews that are are actually trustworthy. And I totally feel for the the feeling of like, how do you know? And so that is truly like the number one reason that thing testing ultimately exists is to be that place for people to read real reviews and and feel confident when they're buying something. And, you know, when it shows up at the door, not being like, oh, is this going to work? Or being like, yeah, I read reviews of it. And, you know, 96% of people on Think Testing recommended it. So I'm going to buy it. And so that one's a really big one, honestly. And it happens across all categories. And it's, it's very easy for brands to do it on their own platforms. There's review plugins that that some of their biggest selling points are around that. So it's definitely something for consumers to be aware of. And that happens on Amazon too, right? Like a brand can, mm. I don't know, hire a bunch of people to write fake reviews. Yeah, brand yeah, on Amazon and also, you know, like with even on like Sephora. On Sephora, you can write a review for a product that you're not a verified purchaser of. And this is not to say, I mean, on thing testing you don't have to be you know, we, we don't have a way of verifying purchases because the purchase doesn't come through thing testing. But Sephora, you know, could very easily put in that barrier of you have to have been a ver- verified purchaser. And they don't because brands rely on those reviews on their Sephora pages. And if, you know, for a brand to launch on Sephora, they actually need to get a certain number of reviews before their launch. And so people are, you know, they ask their community to go on or they ask their friends, or they ask whoever to go on and leave them a good review. And it's very easy for them to incentivize it to be a good review. And so, you know, if I'm going on Sephora just to look at a product, I have no idea that this had happened. How do you guys safeguard against that, like when you're when a new brand launches on thing testing, that people aren't sending like a beehive of their fans to Yeah, I mean, we're, we are all about brands having their community review them on thing testing. Again, we're not the point of purchase. And so having your community review you is awesome. Like that, your community should be reviewing you. However, if it's, you know, an investor or someone who's a friend of the brand, someone, anyone that really can have like that implicit bias or not implicit bias and is like has stake in the, in the success of the company, we do ask that those people tag their affiliation. It's a very simple question at the end of the review form right before you click submit. And it's like, do you have an affiliation to this brand? And it's like, employee, friend, investor, influencer, or you can write your own in if it's something else. And so we we do have moderation tools. We have a an AI detector that kind of, you know, scrapes reviews also. And if, you know, if you have the brand's website in your email address, that's going to get flagged if you haven't tagged your affiliation. And the moderation is taken very seriously around those instances because, yeah, from the consumer perspective, trust is the most important thing that think testing has. And it's trust is like the easiest thing to lose in this entire landscape. 
And so it's, it's taken very seriously. Yeah. It's so tough. I could imagine like not only in think testing's position too, the incentives are so often muddied together in terms of how anyone makes money in this space, whether it's affiliate revenue or editorial partnerships, it's really tough to figure out your model and also be unbiased. So I know that that's kind of a puzzle that you guys have really tried to make sure that you're at least upfront about. How do you distinguish yourselves, let's say, from a strategist, a wire cutter? You know, how would you say you're the same or different? Think testing operates with no affiliate links. So that means that we make no revenue off of the click throughs to brand sites. I was wondering about that. So is that what's kind of the model? Because I'm sure you guys track that no matter what. Yeah, we, we do track it. And, and brands also, you know, have come to us before and been like, hey, you were our top referrer on our launch week. And that's yeah. great to hear because even though we we do side with the consumer on reviews, like thing testing exists because we want people to buy things that they're excited about and we want brands yeah. to do well. And we're not here to take down brands. And so we we do track it, but that's not a, a revenue model for us. I think that would go against the integrity of thing testing mm-hmm. because once you bring affiliate links in, you're going to want to highlight the brand that you think is going to make you that money. And that's not what we're yeah, here the for. Yeah, incentives just become misaligned. And so on the thing testing side, our rev model is our brand reputation management on thing testing. So not paying to delete reviews, but being able to interact with the reviewers on mm-hmm. your page. And so being able to reply to reviews is part of that. Being able to receive private feedback is part of that. Being able to access our thing drop program is now bucketed in that. And so anything that really is a place to further engage with the thing testing community or help your community engage on thing testing. So, you know, review invites. Um, So we'll send out on behalf of our pro subscribers invites to their community to come and review that specific brand on thing testing. And then those are also the verified purchases that happen and are reviewed on thing testing. It gets so tricky, right? With affiliate stuff and when people are paying you, when brands are paying you, also to be honest and to kind of like, I don't know, remain copacetic with both the brand partners and with your audience who really trusts you to curate for them. That can be hard to remain transparent, you know? It's tough. We, um, our sales are kept very separate from anything to do with editorial decision, which I think is so important. So I, you know, I really like oversee how do we surface the best things or the most interesting things or the most exciting things to our community. And sales is kind of a separate arm. And that really helps us to kind of balance the two. But it's it's definitely not easy to balance the two, especially when you you know, you know are a business that needs to make money. Well, I mean, on that note, we've gone from sex unique scams. I'm dying to know, since you're the brand wizard, like what is in your haunted cart? Haunted, haunted cart. How long is your haunted cart list? Are you an impulse buyer? Do you get a lot of free products? How many? <laughs> like, tell us kind of your buying archetype or persona. So for me, I will say my, I think I see so many brands that it's <laughs> honestly overwhelming. And I, I don't buy that many products. At this point, I think when I first started working for Think Testing, like I was always a brand girl. Like I remember yeah. in high school being obsessed with Glossier. And like, I was a, what was it? Like a social media ambassador for Seventeen Magazine when I was in high school. And like, this was like the start of influencing. 
and yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't making money off it, but they would send me like Neutrogena products in the mail to like post about on my Instagram. And so to see like how the landscape has changed is just crazy. And I do accept free products. It's not like I accept every single thing that people want to send me. I honestly will like the the allure of the whole free product thing has like changed for me only because my closet is for sure. full of things at this point. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, practice what I preach. Like I do not need all of these things. And so unless it's something that I genuinely am like, you know what? I'm going to use that. And like, I would have bought it anyways. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Like take it for free. And you know, I still leave my honest review of it. It's not like, you know, a brand sent me something. So I'm going to be like, this is the best thing I ever received. If it's not the best thing I ever received, it might not be. And that's, I think, okay. And I think brands understand what thing testing is about if they're sending us products. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'll say on like the free product side. As far as things that are are haunting me on the internet at the moment, I'm a huge essence girl. Like Ugh, the same. essence sale <laughs> It's like 300 pages long when it's up and I scroll all 300 pages. Like I want an yes. essence curated sale list from you. I will, oh I'm like, God. I will pay money yeah. for that. So I will tip you off to, there's this woman in New York, Laura Riley, who has okay. this amazing newsletter called Magazine, which is like, I think it means shop Ooh. in French. And mm-hmm. she does it's basically like the best of online shopping every single week wait I think is it a sub stack yeah okay I think I actually just subscribed to this she's awesome she did a feature on thing testing last year and spotted like amazing brands for us of course and (laughs) she does like roundups of the essence sale though when it's live so there's not a specific thing haunting actually my essence cart yeah it's just like the ghost of essence in general the ghost of essence the ghost of essence but now i can't buy anything full price there ever no because i'm always like it's gonna go on sale but yeah i think specific things that are haunting me back to the swimming thing again not a swimmer but there's this web there's this brand called yuca fins out of costa mesa yeah in orange county yeah and they make these like tie-dye swimming fins like mm-hmm. for, your, for your feet flippers and I want a pair so badly <laughs> I have absolutely no purpose for them I, li- I do live in Miami so like I could oh. swim but I don't lots of pools lots of pools yeah I think people <laughs> would be like what is happening if I like whipped those out at the Soho house yeah yeah I don't know I spotted them sometime last year put them on a brand spotted list for thing testing and was like I need these welcome valued customer what else? I mean, I always see Quip toothbrushes, and I'm a disposable oh. toothbrush purchaser. Probably oh. should not say that aloud. Not not an electric toothbrush. I'm just like a manual girl. Like yeah. I don't know. I just get overwhelmed in that category. Like I go into Target, I like buy my one toothbrush, and I like I don't want to spend time <laughs> in that aisle. There's too much going on. We all have areas of simplicity, you know. Yeah, and mine is like oral care. Although I did get a water pick. Is it like good on your counter? Because water picks traditionally were kind of bulky. It's not cute. But you know what is cute? Healthy gums. <laughs> yeah, you know what is cute? Healthy gums. No. So I did see Quip did launch a water pick type product oh. as well. But I don't know. I'm like, 
I just feel like stick with the classics on that. Yeah. Uh, One thing that has haunted me, speaking of flossing, is like a reusable flosser. Etsy has some really nice ones where you just like wrap the floss into, they come in all different materials, but like plastic, wood, metal. And it's just like you hook it instead of having to buy Mm. the reusable things. Interesting. Seems like a worthwhile purchase. You know, I have bottom and top retainers. So floss and I have a really tough time together. Me too. That's why the water pick is the way. If only Alessi made a water pick. That's what we need. Call them. Get Alessi on the phone right now. <laughs> I have to make make them for us right now. And you know, theirs would be like so whimsical too. It would be like yeah. very playful. <laughs> if Dyson made a water pick, I think also a lot of people would start flossing. That's that's the movement. Let's be a pivot. I recently saw that Dr. Bronner's has chocolate. Do you know this, Emma? Yes. It's so good. I did see that because I, I went to put it on thing testing and I was like, it kept saying that this brand already existed. And I was like, no, it doesn't. And then I was like, not in this form. It does. (laughs) Yes. It's actually really good. Yeah. And they even have a peppermint flavor, which looks like the same branding as their peppermint soap. I'm kind of into brands doing like wacky things, like going from cleaning supplies to chocolate. So am I. Yeah. I think it's fun. Get your bag. That sounds awesome. I think it's slightly, again, confusing for the consumer. (laughs) But if you can do both and you do it well, then I'm all for it. But if you're going to do it, like you got to do it right. Amen. Emma, this was so lovely to have you on. We got so many good recs, so many good sexy, unique scams to watch out for. How can people keep up with you personally and also with Think Testing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You can follow me on my Instagram, which is at mcho41, E-M-C-H-O-4-1 trying to drop the 41 if you know anyone at Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of like where I where I hang out. Mostly. I am on Twitter as well at the same handle, but I'm not as good on there. And thing testing, you can follow us on all social platforms at thing testing or make a thing testing profile. It's free. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emma. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you made it to the end of this episode. Guys, that's all for now. For now. Who knows? Ellipsis. Exactly. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for bringing your energy and your haunted carts and the stuff that you're obsessed with. We appreciate you. Keep looking out for sex unique scams. Keep creating a haunted cart. Keep your wellness house of cards close to your chest, you know? Keep questioning who is this good for? That's right. Exactly. Good for who? Good for who, man? Good for you. Good for you? Good for him. Good for you. Hopefully this podcast has been good for you. All we do, we do for you. We made this out of pure fun and love, and it's been so, so much fun. And we couldn't have continued making this without your wonderful support and ear holes. And we thank you from the bottom of our most haunted carts. Amen. Thank you. We love you. Have a great summer. Don't change. Or do. Have a good life. See you never. (laughs) You aren't going to say goodbye. It's never goodbye. Can I do one more haunted cart to take us out? Of course. Haunted cart. Love it. (laughs) Perfect. Haunted cart. Haunted cart. Good For You is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme song is by Parallel Dance Ensemble. And our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studio. You can find more information about at the link in our show notes.